The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Well, hey, everybody. My heart is just bursting wide open at this instant. I just love this feeling, and it's because I have the most beautiful spirit in the spirit world who is here to say hi to her mom and dad because her dad is our guest today. Brian Smith is a friend of mine now, brought together through Helping Parents Heal and through my work as a medium. We're going to talk a lot about um, the grief journey today that unfortunately Brian and his wife Ty and his daughter Kayla have been on since their daughter Shana passed. But we're also going to talk about how Brian has translated that into helping others through his own journey. I could read you a big bio, but I'd much rather you just get to know Brian through our chatting. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Suzanne. Good to be here. Oh, it's great to have you on. It's funny because we've talked so much, and now to share you publicly, it's a little bit of a different vibe, but we uh, just yeah. you have so much to talk about. I don't want to do all the talking, but I would like to talk about the very first time we met. I know you remember that. Oh, yeah, I definitely remember. Um, yeah, it was, it was uh, February 2017. It was about, I guess, a year and a half after Shana had passed. And uh, my wife, Ty, had read your book and said, if uh, Suzanne ever comes close to Cincinnati, I want to go see her. She, she just loves your book. And it turned out you were going to be doing a workshop in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is nowhere close to Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> but uh, she felt led to go to that, and I decided to go along with it. So we came down to the workshop that you were putting together with uh, Mark Pitstick. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I met Mark before, so – just another, it was a synchronicity that, that we met there. Um, I remember meeting you in the, in the lobby of the hotel before it started. And uh, you were, uh, yes, you said, are you the one whose, whose son passed? And I was like, well, no. I said it was a daughter. And, uh, you know, long story short, you ended up doing a reading for us, which was fantastic. Yeah, I want to stop you right there, Brian, because the reason I'll never forget meeting you, because I meet a lot of parents whose children have passed, is that I Mm -hmm. felt so bad. It was clearly that you two had had a child who passed, and there you were sitting in the lobby of that hotel, getting ready to start this big weekend, 
And I sensed a son and got it wrong. And I thought, this couple came here for healing. And they came here because I'm a medium. And I got that wrong. It just just tore me up. And that's when I said, all right, we're going to make this right. But we're not going to do it this weekend. We're going to give them a real reading. And I, and Shana has so made up for that. It wasn't her fault. Oh. It was mine <laughs> over the years. Yeah. And it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. So yes, uh, you did call us up and graciously offered us a reading. And when you did the reading, Shana came through like loud and strong and um, still drops in on you even to this day and gives you little messages for us. So it worked out great. Yeah. But you know what? I remember there are certain times when I do workshops that people just stand out and you just notice them over and over throughout the event. And that weekend, you stood out even more than your wife, Ty, Taiwana, because you were just so serious and so intense. And so I could tell you were hurting, and of course. And I just thought, is, is, is this making any difference for him at all? Do you want to describe your grief journey? Oh, or let's well, let's start uh, with how how uh, Shana passed and tell us a little bit about yeah, her. Yeah, let's, let's 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 talk about Shana and how that all uh, transpired. Shana was uh, 15 years old. She was a volleyball player and basketball player at a high level. Um, she went to national tournaments for both uh, basketball when um, she she played for about eight years, and then she switched to volleyball. And her first year playing volleyball, she made the national team and and went to uh, the national tournament. So she had. Mm-hmm. Just returned from the national tournament the week before, or it was a Saturday before she passed. She was a healthy girl. She had a, she had a heart condition, but it was mild. It was under control. She'd had a couple of procedures for it, um, but you know she was, as I said, very very active. And uh, June 24th of 2015, we went to wake her up that morning. My wife did. She was supposed to come down and work for, uh, for our business in the in our lower level where we run the business. And Shana did not wake up. Um, mm. She was she was gone. Mm. So um, that was in that said that was in June of 2015, mm. uh, which of course sent us you know reeling because you know it's our 15 year old daughter's my baby. So oh. when I met you in February, it was uh, not quite two years um, after she had passed. I started a blog. It's really weird. Like the day after she passed, I think it was. I just had this feeling that I need to document what I'm going through. And I, I like to write. Shana is, is a fantastic writer. No, and, you, uh, and but, you are a fantastic writer. Amazing. Your blog is terrific. So I started the blog just to, just to pour my heart out and, and kind of uh, chronicle my, my grief journey, whatever that was going to be. Um, but at the time I met you in February 2017, I was still at the point where it's like, I don't, I don't know that I can heal. I don't know that I even want to heal. Um, I was, it's, it's just devastating when you lose, you know, a daughter. So um, that's where I was when I met you. Um, and that, that workshop was probably the beginning of when I started to turn the corner to, you know, to knowing it was possible to, to get better. What was your understanding or view of the afterlife at that time? Well, this goes back to when I was a very small child. I was raised as a, a as a Pentecostal uh, Christian, you know, fundamentalist, and taught about heaven and hell, and more important, you know, more uh, prominently hell, and was feared that. Um, I started having panic attacks when I was in my teen years, um, mainly because of my relationship with this God that I thought was going to. 
sent me to this place called hell, even though I'd been baptized and spoken in tongues and all those things. I just never felt uh, good enough. So Mm -hmm. I ended up in therapy by the time I was about 40 years old um, and figured out that was one of the big issues I was dealing with. And around that time is when I started doing really deep research into the afterlife. And one of the first books I read was uh, by Dr. Gary Schwartz, The Afterlife Experiments. Same as me. (laughs) Yeah, you were part of those experiments. Uh, And this was, you know, 15 or 16 years before Shana passed. So I had started studying near-death experiences, mediumship, afterlife communications, anything I could get my hands on. So fortunately for me, when Shana did pass, uh, one blessing was I never had any doubt that Shana was okay. I never had Mm -hmm. any doubt that she did not die, that she survived. And my picture was that she had just stepped out of her body. Um, And so that's, that's what I believed from that point um, to, to this day. Wow. Okay. So describe your grief journey then. Is it like, was there one point where it, I'm looking at like a graph, you know, X and Y axis and the, and the, mm-hmm. and the line goes up. Was yours kind of level or did at some point it just kind of went skyward? Well, you know, the thing is, even though I had the belief that Shana was okay, I never thought about an ongoing relationship. Um, I never thought about her still being here. I really thought about her, you know, being okay, you know, kind of somewhere else. Um, So developing a relationship with with Shana was not something that was even on my radar uh, at that time. So it was during the reading after Shana passed when I started reading more things from mediums, et cetera, instead of just afterlife like studies um, that I realized that Shana was still here and I could start looking for signs and Shana has just sent us, you know, incredible signs. Um, let's, let's stop right there. Why don't you pick hmm? your top one, two or three people love signs. I never get tired of it. Well, you know, besides the, the drop-ins that she's done on you, um, you know, where you've called us up and told us incredible things, and I, I'll just tell one of those. I mean, you called up one day and said, um, I see a, a picture of Shana, and she's got her hands up, and she's got, like, whiskers drawn on her face, and she's acting like a cat, and she's making these cat noises. And, frankly, I was like, I don't have any idea what Suzanne's talking about. But my wife was like, she remembered a picture that Shana had taken when she was probably five or six years old. I think a neighbor actually took the picture. And Shana literally has whiskers drawn on her face and her hands up like she's like like pretending to be like a cat. So that was a picture I don't think was ever published anywhere. I'm not sure I'd seen it before. Yeah, so, and for those of you was, who might be new to all of this, what's so cool about it? I remember I was sitting on my patio writing the book, my book, still right here. And Shana, when we talk about a drop-in, I'm not even thinking about Shana. And suddenly, here she is. And because I'd done a reading and I recognized her, just like you'd recognize any friend that walks in the room, I was like, Shana, what are you doing here? And she dropped that image in my mind. I didn't know it was a photo. I remember texting both of you and saying, what is she doing? (laughs) She's acting like this cat and drawing whiskers on her face. So what that tells us, everybody, is that this is very real. Shana wanted to get a message through to her parents in real time, and that's how she did it. It's just brilliant, and to me, leaves no doubt that there's an afterlife, and we do have that ongoing relationship you're talking about, Brian. How about another one? Oh, well, this is very recent. You know, so I started the podcast, I think it was like in June or so. 
and uh, I was on my phone looking at my podcast. I never listened to my own podcast, but I was I was on my phone. I was looking at my podcast through uh, Apple's podcast app, and every image on the podcast, the cover art, and every episode cover has been has been changed to a picture of Shayna. No a picture of Shayna when she was about two years old. She's building this tower out of these Legos it's up over her head. And it was one of my favorite pictures ever because I uh-huh. looked on her face and I, I even said at the time, I said, I hope she uses whatever power she has for good and not for evil because this kid is a force. <laughs> but this picture I had used in one episode as the cover, but it was never my cover for the, for the podcast. And it had changed everywhere on my phone on, on that particular application. So I panicked. So I thought, how did this picture become my cover photo? So I went and looked in iTunes. It was fine in iTunes. I looked on other apps, and it was fine there. It wasn't changed on my host. It's only changed on my phone through that one app. And Shayna loved electronics. She loved to mess with my phone. And we had this game that we would play where she would, every time I left my phone out, she would unlock it and change my lock screen to a picture of her. It was usually a picture oh. of her and her sister together. Shayna changed it to a picture of just her. And I would oh. change it back. And then a few weeks before she passed, she'd change it a picture of her and it's it's that picture today i was like okay shane you finally won it'll be that be that way from from now on so this this thing that she did with my phone i you know i i'm an engineer so i always try to figure these things out you know how did how does this happen yeah. i have no idea it's just it's really strange well, the whole time you're telling this brian i see her clear as day she just licked her finger held it up in the air and then touched her hip like that's easy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She, she, and she, so she, she shows me a lot of signs through electronics. She messes with my phone quite a bit. Um, she's messed with my computer. You know, lights coming on. Um, you know, she'll turn on the lights in our bedroom. You know, things of that nature. So just you know, all those little normal things, uh, feathers. Um, you know, butterflies. What, what about uh, the feathers? Things. So that people know these are really signs, and you just don't happen to find a feather. Oh well. You know, I, sometimes I'm having a particularly bad day. I walk for an hour and a half every morning. And, you know, if I'm, I'm having a bad day, I'll ask her for a sign. And, you know, I might find a, a feather or a coin. Um, it's funny because one day I was talking to a guy. I was interviewing me. He's a physical medium. And we were talking about apports, which are just when things just kind of appear out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that he had been working with someone. And she said, I like an apport. And a coin fell from the sky. So the next day I was, I was doing, I was doing my walk and I was thinking, you know, I like an airport. And uh, Shane and I have this thing where I always ask for dimes and she usually she'll give me a dime. So I'll find a dime. And that morning when I was walking, I actually found a quarter, but it's the, it's the timing of when these things happen. Cause I was just thinking of this, like at this moment, I like to find something. And then right in front of me on, on the road, there was just a quarter laying there. And, and you know, I've seen that happen so often, Brian, that I want everybody to know that I know that our loved ones across the veil, children, parents, spouses, whoever it is, they put the thought in our mind, I'd like to see a coin, knowing that we're about to step on one. It's so oh, easy. Yeah, they got, they yeah, see so, this. The last part of that is after I got back and I had the quarter, I was like, well, it's interesting because it's a quarter because usually, like I said, our thing is a dime. And I looked at the quarter. It was like cause sometimes the dates are significant. And the date was 2015, which was the year she had passed. There you go. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've mentioned your podcast a few times. Tell us what you talk about and how people can find it. Uh, my podcast is called Grief to Growth. So it's grief and it's numeral to growth. 
um, and you can find it on iTunes or wherever podcasts are. Um, you can also go to my website, which is grief, the number two growth.com to grief, the growth.com uh, forward slash podcast. And what the podcast is about, um, my subtitle is plant it, not buried, because I believe that when these tragic things happen to us, we feel like we're buried. We feel like we're never going to see the light of the sun again. We're never going to be the same again. We'll never be whole again. But I believe that we've actually been planted, and it's an opportunity for us to take the tragedies that have happened to us and to turn them into something beneficial. Uh, it doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't mean you're not sad. It doesn't mean you're not angry. But it means you can take that and you can you can make yourself act, you can actually become stronger after it. So on the podcast, I interview uh, a lot of times I'll interview shining light parents, which is a term that you coined for parents whose children have transitioned. Mm-hmm. And I do that to give people hope because these people that I interview are just amazingly strong, amazingly resilient. Um, they've, they've actually taken their lives and, and usually are helping other people to heal. Uh, I interview a lot of near-death experiencers because those are, there's some lessons in near-death experiences for all of us in terms of how we live our lives here in addition to what we're going to face when we cross the veil, which is something to actually not be feared but to look forward to. Um, I interview healers uh, just last week I had on, um, or actually this week it was launched, uh, Judy Hancox, um, who is uh-huh. the sister of your friend Irene Bouvalidis. Judy's and been on the Judy, show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Judy's been on the show. Judy is a grief and trauma specialist. So I bring on people that can help people to heal. So it's really all about um, trying to help people to to heal from these tragedies and to face them and to um you know, to, to give people inspiration that they can do, they, they can be okay. Wonderful, wonderful. You talked about, you know, not realizing in the past that you can have an ongoing relationship with your loved ones who passed, that we can develop that. Why don't you share with us your ongoing relationship with Shana? How, how does that unfold? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because it's different for everybody. Um, so, you know, there, there, of course, are the signs which I get. And then uh, I, I do a daily meditation. So I meditate every day and I, I walk for, as I said earlier, an hour and a half every morning. And I try to connect with that, with Shana and, and my higher self and, you know, those types of things. Um, you know, some people will, you know, maybe they have conversations with the kid or they'll maybe even physically see them, which is pretty rare, you know, things of that nature. For me, it's just, I feel like I just feel Shana's presence with me, like a lot of the time, you know, and, what I'm doing with the, with the podcast and with the book and with the coaching that I'm doing, it's all really dedicated to her. So she's actually come through mediums and told me that she inspires my writing. She's, she said she's a better writer than I am. So <laughs> she, takes, she takes credit for, for what I, as I do. Um, I've got a big picture of her in our foyer uh, when I come out of my bedroom. So it's the first thing I see every morning when I leave the bedroom and I tell her good morning. I tell her good night, you know, every night before I go to bed. Um, so she's just, she's a part of my day, you know, every day, um, all day long. And, yeah, and, uh, and for I, those of you listening, this is not just going through those actions to make you feel good. I mean, Brian, you know, she actually hears you. I do. I do because of the signs and because of the, the, the drop-ins and I, you know, in the work that I do with helping parents heal, I've had a lot of experiences with mediums. And so Shana's come through mediums um, and she's come to people who aren't mediums and, and, you know, give messages to me. 
So I know that she's uh, an old part of our ongoing life. And she actually came through someone one day talking about her sisters, Kayla, who they're like twins. And Kayla's three years older. And, you know, Kayla's obviously devastated with Shana's, you know, not being here physically. And she, she told this medium that to tell Kayla, not feel guilty about, you know, living her life without Shana being here, getting married, having kids, you know, all those things, whatever she might do in the future, because Shana will be right here with her. And she yeah. actually enjoys doing things that Kayla does, kind of enjoys them vicariously through her. So um, we, the three of us, my wife, Ty, my daughter, Kayla, and I, um, we try to do what we can to continue Shana's legacy to make her, um, you know, proud of us. Um, we've got a scholarship, you know, in her fund at the high school. Um, and nice. you know, so I'm, I'm doing the things that I'm doing. My wife volunteers with helping parents heal and working with other parents that are going through similar things. And we do all those things, you know, really in Shana's name. That's beautiful. I'm going to talk about helping parents heal in a moment, but I remember the last time I saw you was when Ty and my Ty and I were traveling through Ohio and you helped me by letting me use your house and your internet connection to do an event with the shift network. And it was so awesome to be in your house and feel Shana's energy. And she gave us a bunch of, um, current events going on with your life. I remember just getting in the car with you and I said, why is she showing me like her sister pulling her hair? She's pulling at her hair, pulling it out like this. And you said, because Kayla had just undone her braids like the day before. Again, showing yeah. that she knows what's going on with her sister. By the way, just as you were talking about her sister, Shana was showing me something with a fingernail as if, um, I believe this goes with Kayla, but it could be with Ty. Painting the fingernails, but one or two of them have these a special little design on them. A little special design. So check with Kayla on that, okay? Yeah, I will. You know, it, that reminds me of one time you called and you said, um, is, has Kayla been playing basketball? And I was like, okay, Suzanne missed this one because there's no way Kayla would play basketball. She's not She's not athletic at all. She, she hates anything to do with trying to catch a ball or anything. <laughs> But I was like, okay, well, I'll call Kayla and find out, you know, if she's been playing basketball lately. Maybe her, her boyfriend took her out, and, you know, in the court or something. So we called her up. We said, you know, Kayla, have you been playing basketball? And she said, well, no, I haven't been playing basketball. But she was babysitting these two little girls. She was their nanny. And she said, but JoJo and I were making little basketballs out of Play-Doh and mm. pretending to bounce them. Oh, man. Um, so that was, I forgot you know, that. And if you had known Kayla, you would have probably never even given us that message because – there is no way she would be playing with the basketball. And that's why I tell all of you that get messages, especially those of you who are working as mediums, to honor what they give you because our assumptions will get in the way. You're right. That was beautiful. So, yeah. Brian, you, you talked about tie, your ties work with helping parents heal, but your work with them with the online group has been tremendous. Share that with us. Yeah, you know, again, it's just these, the way these things have fallen into place, when I look back on it, it's just almost miraculous. So at the event where I met you in February of 2017, uh, I met Tracy Susie and Beth West. So uh, Ty, Tracy, Beth, and I, and we became friends, like, almost immediately. And uh, Ty and I had started a uh, Helping Parents Heal group here in Cincinnati that wasn't going that well because we just weren't getting that much interest. So uh, I think it was Tracy that had the idea. So why don't we start an online group? And I'm really familiar with technology. I'm on Facebook all day long and mess around with that. So we said, yeah, let's let's start an online helping parents heal group for people that are in places where there isn't a physical group, and you know, and people that maybe not want to go out to you know meet face to face. So we started the online group in May of 2017, I guess it was, 
And uh, right before we got on the call, I checked to see what the membership number is. We're at 5,200 members as of this point. Isn't so that amazing? Got, you know, five, yeah, 5,200 people that it's a place where people can come and just be very real. It's a private group. So your friends and family can't see what's in the group unless they're members of the group. It's only for parents. And we can just be very real and vulnerable with each other. Uh, we have speakers that come in usually once or twice a month that will, you know, give our parents messages of encouragement and of healing and hope. But that's through and Facebook, right? That's through Facebook, yes. Mm-hmm. So if you go to uh, look for Helping Parents Heal online group on Facebook, um, we'll come up and you can apply to be a member. As I said, it's a closed group. Uh, it's only for parents. And it's just, it's done really, I think, fantastic work. I mean, we've we've had some parents that have really felt like they had nowhere else to turn. Yeah, and so a lot of people say, oh, I don't do Facebook, but I've spoken with to your group several times. Thank you so much for having me on. And what they do, everybody, is they have live guests. So you've watched the video live, and then they post it afterwards through Facebook. So there really is a benefit to it for these special groups. Yeah, we realize not everybody does Facebook. It's just been a, a pretty common platform, and it's it's, it's easy to manage right now. Um, so right now the group is through Facebook. We we do have people that get a Facebook account just to join the group, uh, and you can join Facebook and not do anything else. But as you said, Suzanne, it's an it's an opportunity to interact with people who who know what you're talking about, who know what you're going through. Uh, we do have the guests on live. You can ask questions. Uh, we've had mediums actually do uh, gallery readings. And uh, it's really, it's been really beneficial. And it, frankly, it's helped us heal uh, the people that are running the group as much as helps the people that are in the group. Absolutely. Are you one of the caring listeners? I am. Yes, I am one of the caring listeners. So, What, um, what is that all about? I know, but I'm, why don't you tell everybody else? <laughs> sure. Uh, caring listeners, we, we, are, we are parents. We're all parents who have children in spirit. Uh, you'll notice when I talk, I very rarely use the word died. Um, because I don't believe that anybody dies, but commonly, yeah. you know, people yeah. have children who have died. Um, so we're people that, you know, can relate to what you've gone through. Um, we are, we're not professional counselors, but we're there to listen, to to empathize, to help people not feel, you know, as alone. Um, and a lot of times it really helps us to talk to someone who's been through what you've been through. I mean, you can go to, uh, you know, a counselor who might be a professional who can help you with, you know, certain things, but they're not going to really understand what it feels like when you, you know, have a child transition and the feeling sometimes of just total, you know, loss and, and where can I go and how do I even get out of bed and, you know, things of that nature. How so do people find there, a caring listener? Uh, if you go to the Helping Parents Heal online group so, or Helping Parents Heal main page, so it's helpingparentsheal.org. Um, and there's a menu there and we're on under the tab of caring listeners. Perfect. All right, Brian, we have to go to a break, but I want to come back and share, have you share with us your new book, Grief to Growth, and we'll talk a lot more about the grief journey. It's just, this is an awesome, helpful conversation. I hope you all are enjoying it as much as I do. Em, and I will see you all in three minutes. Come on back. Hi, I'm Reverend Linda Martella-Witset with Silent Unity. 
reminding you that we are here for you during the holidays to support you with affirmative prayer and inspiration. From all of us at Silent Unity, we wish you a beautiful and blessed holiday season. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Well, I am just so honored to be able to share this program with so many of you. I know that a lot of you write in and tell me how you binge listen sometimes. So this one, boy, this you'll want to add this one to the list. Brian Smith is our guest today. His website is grief2growth, the number two, not written out, grief2growth.com. And Brian is sharing with us his journey since his beautiful daughter Shana passed in 2015 but how he has turned that into a way of helping others with the grief journey. Brian, just before we had, uh, went to the break, I didn't have a chance to share that Shana, who's been with us throughout the program here, was showing me a rainbow and emphatically pointing towards you two, as if rainbows are significant. It's just a, it's a common thing, but she really wants me to talk about the rainbows, like it's just recently come up around you. But it's winter. What's up with that? Well, I was saying uh, I, I – I, Rainbows are definitely a sign between the two of us. Um, she's been showing us rainbows since like right after she passed. I remember one time talking about her walked out. It was a big double rainbow. So uh, most recently, though, we had a full moon last night, I think it was, and there was like a you know a ring around the room, like a rainbow around the moon. Um, uh, so I could, that's probably what she's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's doing the clicking sign here. <laughs> Got that yeah. one. Cool. Well, let's see. Your new book is so helpful. I read it cover to cover, Grief to Growth, just like your website. Um, you mentioned that the subtitle is Planted, Not Buried. Would you explain again you, why, what that, what do you mean by planted? Well, what I mean by planted, you know, it kind of comes, one of my favorite phrases is to, to grow where you're planted. Because a lot of times people think they have to go off and do something else to find their purpose. So I've got to go a missionary or i've got to go you know become a volunteer here or whatever and i've always one of my favorite phrases has always been you know to grow where you're planted to, to wherever you happen to be that's where you can you can you know start to serve um, nice. when it comes to grief um i, I can't I, I i like that phrase because when we are when we are first in grief when this this, this tragedy first hits us we feel like we've been buried and when something's buried it's, it's dead you know, it's it's not coming back. It's it's covered up. It's it's the end. Um, but when a seed falls to the ground and is covered up, um, you know, that's when the seed blossoms and can bring forth fruit. And it actually, seed cannot bring forth fruit until it is planted. So that's what the phrase means. Nice. And the subtitle under that: How to Survive and Thrive After Life's Greatest Challenges. So your book is not just about people who have loved ones who have crossed the veil, correct? No, it's not. I mean, grief can be uh, the loss of a job. It can be the loss of anything. You know, uh, it could be at the end of a relationship through divorce or just separation. It could be the loss of your health. I mean, we, we grieve lots of different things. Um, so it doesn't have to necessarily be about the, the loss of a person, but that tends to be, you know, the most um, impactful form of grief that, that people tend to end up, you know, maybe stuck in. Um, so the book, the book is to help people to understand, first of all, what is this is happening to me? What, you know, what, what is grief? Why do I feel like in a fog all the time? Why can't I, so why can't I remember anything? Let's go right there. That's your chapter one in grief to growth. So tell us what is grief? 
Well, it's it's the suffering of a, a loss. It's it's when something that you expected or wanted doesn't happen or goes away. Um, so it, it is a it's a it's a very deep. Um, it's not even grief is not even an emotion. It's actually I heard someone say it's a collection for emotions because there's a lot of emotions that can be wrapped up in grief. It can be anger. It can be frustration. It can be uh, fear. It could be you know, obviously sadness, all these things come wrapped in this emotion, this wrapper of grief. And we can cycle through them rapidly. We go from one to the other and not understand what's going on. And, and physically, a lot of times, if it's someone, especially like in my case, with my daughter who's living in the house with me, we actually go through a physical withdrawal, a withdrawal of that person. The thing that they brought to us is gone and our brains become um, unable to function normally. So when people go through this, they think this is the way I'm going to be. You know, this is this is terrible. I'm never going to remember anything again. I'm never going to be able to leave the house again. And it's shocking, so, isn't it? Because I remember when Susan passed, our, our our daughter Susan. It's just like you you go from being happy and life is wonderful to it's just a, it's stunning how rapidly this hits you. And it's like what happened? The whole world changes. I remember being out with, with Ty um, a couple of days after Shane had passed. We were over by the, the movie theater, this little shopping area, and people were just driving around. And we looked at each other. We said, how can people keep going on with their lives? Don't they know that you know, Shana died two days ago? Why are people out acting like everything's normal? Um, everything in your world changes. The way you look at everything you know, just, just changes, and you might um, – you might start overeating. You might stop eating altogether. You might sleep all day long. You might not be able to sleep. It's just, it's a whole myriad of things that can happen to you, and you feel like you're literally losing your mind. So I know that there are some people listening right now who are in that stage, and here we are talking, having been there, but you know we're we're functioning again and happy again. We we've found joy in life again. So Brian, you've written the book. How do we? get to that point? Well, the first thing is having the desire to do it, you know, and, and then having the hope that you can do it. So I will say, you know, and I'm just, I'm very honest with people because I know a lot of people are here. When your child passes, a lot of us, we're like, I don't want to get better. I, I, I don't feel like I deserve it. I don't feel like I can ever be happy again. So when people talk to you about healing, you just like, you shut down. It's like, I don't want to hear about it. So, the, you know, for me, finding Helping Parents Heal and finding people like Elizabeth Poisson um, and seeing how she was thriving. She's the founder, one of the founders of Helping Parents Heal. Uh, Mark Ireland reached out to me after, or I reached out to him after my daughter passed. And Mark was very gracious in terms of we emailed back and forth and he sent me his books. And so when you see people that are further down the journey and you see that they seem to be okay, then you realize, you know, maybe I can get there. But I will say that it does take some work. It takes a paradigm shift, and it's, you you can be stuck in it. You can get stuck in it if you want to. So you've got to decide you want to get out of it. And my wife and I went to a couple of grief groups here locally. I remember particularly there was a woman that she'd been there for it had been ten years since her daughter passed. And every time she came to the group, she told the same story over again. She told how angry she was, how she was never going to not be angry. And I thought, if I live for another 10 years, because I'm not sure I want to, but if I do, I don't want to be like that. I, I yeah. don't want to be like that woman. I don't want to be angry 10 years from now. And so you have to make that decision. And it is a decision. And then you reach out for help and say, 
you know, what did you do to get through this? And there's a whole lot of things that you can do to make the journey easier. Well, let's talk about them. I mean, I want people to read your book, but this is here you are. Share, please. You know, it's 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 individual. I give a lot of different techniques in the book that work for me. Uh, for me, one of the things is exercise. Um, you will feel a lot better if you can manage to get out. And, exercise. and not everybody's going to be a gym rat. I'm not. Um, I happen to, I started walking, you know, several years ago for exercise. Since Shana's past, I walk for exercise and to clear my head. It's a great way of um, actually, I was talking to Judy last week, Judy Hancock's, and she was saying walking is bilateral stimulation. It stimulates both sides of your brain, which I didn't know. I just know it feels good. And uh, getting just getting out for 20 minutes a day in the sunshine and moving can be helpful. It's um, tremendous. Making sure, make sure you take care of your health in terms of sleeping and eating properly. Um, because what will happen is your body feels bad anyway. And it's very easy to get into a downward spiral. Spiral when you're going through grief. So you want to, you know, kind of monitor, make sure you're getting the right amount of sleep, make sure that you're, you know, you're eating, you know, as well as possible. Um, you're drinking enough fluids, things of that nature. Um, for me, music is a big, big key. I, I, music has saved my life literally in a lot of ways. So oh, you're, I just remembered you're the one that turned me on to a certain artist and I was listening to her today, the violinist. Ha. Oh, Lindsey Sterling. Yeah, Lindsay Sterling, and what a coincidence! Uh huh. <laughs> no coincidences. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, music I, definitely up, uplifting oh, music yeah. because boy, it'll drag you down too. You know what's interesting, Suzanne? The summer that that Shana passed, there's a, there's a group called Evanescence, and there was an album that came out. There's it's a self-titled album, and it's a it's a tragic album. There's a, there's a lot of sadness in it, and you can tell that the lead singer who wrote it, you know, had suffered great loss. But when you sometimes it's like when you're listening to the blues when you're down, you, you just want to have someone to commiserate with, to understand you're not alone. So for me, that album, that first summer, I listened to it almost every day. Mm. And uh, you know, I don't listen to it much anymore. I listened to it a couple of weeks ago. It's a little bit different perspective when I listen to it now, but I, I needed that at the time. Interesting. But, um, but when I meditate, I listen to a lot of uh, Kirtan music. Um, a lot of times it's even in Sanskrit. I don't even understand the language, but it's just very, it helps relax me and it helps me to get into a, a kind of a meditative state. And I, I talk to so many people because meditation is another thing I, I recommend to people. They say, well, now, I that but, word you just said is probably new to people. Kirtan is K-I-R-T-A-N. And what is that? It's a, um, I don't, I'm not an expert on it, um, but it's a particular type of music. It's, it's chanting. Um, it's a lot of times it's in Sanskrit. Um, but it's, it's music that will actually help to relax you. And for me, it helps me to yep. form like a deeper connection. Um, I do sit in silence sometimes, but I don't really like to sit in silence a lot. So I'll listen to a guided meditation or I'll listen to maybe some ambient sounds or I'll listen to like some kirtan music or sometimes I'll listen to Pink Floyd. It just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. just I recommend to people find what works for you and find a way where you can sit quietly and just be in the moment, um, because we spend so much time, you know, running around and, and hurrying. So I made an effort. I, there's a, an app I downloaded called Insight Timer, and it, it times your meditations, and it actually keeps track of them. And I took a challenge in 2017 to meditate every day for 365 days. And in a couple of weeks, 
I will be at the end of my third year meditating every day. Yeah, every, yep, yep. Every it's day. a commitment. It's a commitment. Yeah, it, it is a commitment. And for me, I'm, I like having that challenge. I like having that number. So I look at it every day. And, you know, it's another day that I've done it. But, but it's those, not just to get things, the check in the block, though, Brian. Look how you've benefited from it. Oh, no, I look forward to it. Yeah, it's not just check the box. At first it was. The challenge was like, let me. I was meditating some before that. But I was like, let me just take the challenge. And since I took the challenge, I do it every day. And now I look forward to my meditation every day. I, it's, I, and I sometimes meditate, well, meditate twice a day. Um, so I, I highly recommend finding, you know, what works for you. Like I said, yeah. the same thing's not going to work for everybody, but work, 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 work for you. I like to sit on the mat. I have an altar. I light incense. Uh, my wife can't sit cross-legged because of her knees. So she will actually lie down and meditate. Um, so whatever works for, for people. Mm-hmm. And then how about, well, certainly you run the support group. So talking to other people, going through the same thing, what else? Yeah, that's kind of maybe the last stage, you know, but helping other people will help you to heal. Um, feeling like you're of service, feeling like there's some purpose in, in the loss that you've gone through, um, continuing your the legacy of the person that, that's, that's passed before you. Um, I think I think that helps people a lot and and understanding that you know that's that's a good way to to heal yourself it's kind of selfish when i started volunteering with helping parents heal frankly it was it was kind of a selfish thing i was in the group and i've always been kind of a natural leader i guess so i'm like if i'm going to be in the group i might as well lead a group Mm -hmm. so that's fine i decided to do perfect so i love this chapter in your book chapter nine what not to say to someone grieving I just felt a bunch of people sit up straight. Yeah, tell me that. Yeah, you know, well, first of all, I'll say to people that if you are the person that's grieving, people say things with the best of intentions. So, And and none of us knows what to say to someone who's grieving. And even myself, who've been around so many grieving parents now, and being a grieving person myself, words are inadequate. Um, but, you know, things like, you know, I guess God needed another angel. Um, it's not usually helpful to people because, you know, you're saying that God needed your loved one more than you do. And we all know that that's not true. Um, saying things like, well, they're in a better place. You know, that may be true. They are in a better place. But when you're speaking and someone's grieving, you want to focus on the person who's actually grieving. So you want to talk about, you know, what their feelings are. Um, so things, things, you know, people, things like that people say is that with really, you know, good intentions, but they can really cut the wrong way. Um, saying things like, you know, some, some things to say are like, I, I just don't know what to say, you know. I don't um, know what to say my, is perfect. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I say it all the time. You know? Yeah, you it's know, like, the, the, I, I found one of the most hurtful things is when people don't say anything because they don't know what to say. Exactly. So, I don't know what to say. It's so much better than not saying anything. And another thing that brings up is don't ignore the fact that this person has lost someone. Sometimes people say, well, I don't want to mention uh, Shana because I thought it would make you sad. Um, believe me, when you've had a child that's transitioned, that's on your mind 24-7. You're not going to make us sad by bringing up our kids. We love to talk about our kids. And if we cry, that's okay, too. You didn't make me cry. But, you know, it's it's that, that allowing people to express their emotions, whatever those emotions are. So for the person who is grieving, 
it's okay for them to cry. Don't try to stop them from crying and don't feel bad that you quote triggered their crying because you know they're expressing love for the person that they're missing. Beautiful. Yeah, that's so helpful. So do you find have you found a difference between how men and women deal with grief? Well, you know, that's a really interesting question. Um, what I've found in the, in the circles that I'm running in, it's 80 to 90% women. Um, not, not a lot of men are participating in the things that we're offering. And, uh, there's a guy, Mike Edwards, who's part of helping parents heal, who started helping fathers heal. And that's also going to be found on Facebook. And there are a handful of fathers in there now. He started it just a few months ago, but in our main group, it's, it's mostly women. Um, I'm not really familiar too much with how men grieve. I know the men in the group seem that I think we pretty much grieve, you know, very similarly to the way women do. But I think a lot of guys don't don't feel like they have permission to to share their grief or to express their grief. So they just they tend to stay away. Um, I'd like to see more men, you know, learning how to deal with things in a more healthy way. Um, because from what I've been told, a lot of times men will they don't want to mention the the person that's passed. They'll pour themselves into their work. They'll, you know, they, a lot of times it'll be escapism rather than facing the, the emotions of, of, uh, that are associated with grief. And mm-hmm. for a lot of us feeling that very, very deep emotion, it, it may be the first time we felt something that deep and we just don't even know how to deal with it. Um, I think I do that's have the whole female. issue right there, why you have so many more women in the group. You know, men aren't supposed to show emotions culturally, traditionally. Yeah, I, you know, I, I do have some male clients. Most of my clients are, are women, but I, I do have some male clients. And, you know, I tell them I'm really proud of you for just reaching out, you know, for doing this, uh, yeah, for admitting we, that you. Yeah, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, just for admitting that you need you, you need the help. It's hard for us. It's hard for me, you know. I, and I'll be real honest. My my wife will say to me, you know, Brian, why don't you ask for help? Well, I wasn't I wasn't raised that way. We're raised to be the strong one. We're, we're, we're raised to be the leaders. We're raised to be the one that takes care of everybody else. So when someone, you know, when we're feeling um, this emotion that we've never felt before, we just don't know how to deal with it. So a lot of times we turn it off. So what's your advice to the men who are listening? My advice is, uh, first of all, find a way to, to express it, you know, find a safe place. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, if you can express it to your spouse, I mean, I've been very fortunate. My, the, the Ty and I have grown closer through this, this um, tragedy that we've gone through. That's not true for everybody. Uh, a lot of times couples will retreat to their own corners. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to your spouse, tell them what you're thinking. Um, because a lot of times, if you just clam up, they're going to think you don't love her as much as I do. Um, you know, you're, you're over it already. Whereas the guy is, is really, really hurting. And the reason why he shut down is because he doesn't know how to express it. Um, and and I would, I would encourage all of the men to talk to your loved ones who have passed. This is the point of this show, Messages of Hope, because they yeah. definitely hear you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But find somebody safe that you can reach out to, whether it's a friend or, a, you know, a grief counselor or whatever. There's no there's no shame in going to, to a professional. I went to a grief counselor after Shana passed. Um, I went for like three sessions. Uh, it was it was really helpful, but I decided I didn't need any more from that guy at that point. 
And, you know, so it doesn't have to be a really long thing, but just, you know, find a way to express it. Um, for me, you know, frankly, when I was feeling a lot of anger, that's why I, I, when I was walking before, I would run, you know, just to get some of that, that, that aggression out. Or I would go out and uh, I took a, uh, an axe and chopped down, you know, brush in the backyard. Or, you know, sometimes for us, it, it tends to be something that, that maybe needs to be more physical, you know, for a mm-hmm. while. So take it out on something that, you know, that, that you're not going to hurt or break anything valuable, but find a way to just let those emotions flow through you. I mean, emotions, they don't want to be bottled up and bottling them up. It's, it's toxic. Uh, expressing them. I think sometimes you feel like I've heard someone say, well, if I start crying, I'm never going to stop. Um, and that's not true. Um, you, it, you just have to let it flow through. You. Mm-hmm. And that's a difficult thing for a lot of us to get to the point where we just let it flow. Yeah. But you know, just, just try. This is wonderful, wonderfully supportive for people who are listening. So what do you think, Brian? Is grief something we can get over? Well, you know, that's an interesting phrase. Um, no, I don't think we ever get over grief if grief means missing the person who's, who's gone on ahead of you. If, if grief means a certain amount of sadness, no, we're we, we not going to get over it. Um, what we can do, and, and I use this analogy in the book, you know, I feel like I'm always going to carry this grief, but it's like carrying the weight. If you if like you've ever lifted weights, when you start lifting that 25 pound weight the first time, it feels pretty heavy. But as you as you keep lifting the weight and your muscles build up and you get stronger, it's easier for you to carry. And I think that's the way it is with grief, at least for myself. Um, it's it's much easier now than it was uh, four and a half years ago. Um, but I'm always going to carry that, you know, I'm always going to look forward to seeing Shana again. I'm always going to miss her. Uh, I'm always going to think about the times that we, you know, we don't have, but I don't focus on that as much as I did. And I focus more on what's my, um, what's my purpose? What am I doing while I'm here? And since we can only have one thought at a time, if you decide what you're, if you choose what you're going to think and choose to say, what am I going to do today to make things better? What am I going to do today to make myself useful as opposed to looking on what you're missing? Then you can, you can make that grief much, much more manageable. Fantastic. And I love that analogy of carrying the weight around. I never heard that before. It's perfect. What do you say to parents and anybody else in grief who wonder why did this happen to me? Why is a dangerous question um Mm. you know we we tend to look at things as good or bad as black or white and especially the passing of of a child um because that's mostly who i deal with but the passing of someone that's always bad right we're never going to put that in the good column um what i say to people who ask why it's like it's cliche but you know why not we always feel like it's not going to happen to me um, but it does. It happens every day. And I know that more and more now as I, as, as I do this work and I talk to people and I realize it can literally happen to any one of us. In, in your case, it's literally lightning from the sky. In my case, it's my daughter's healthy, goes to bed one night and doesn't wake up. Um, I, I try not to focus on the why. Um, you know, after Shana passed, you know, we had an autopsy done. Um, they came back. It was fairly inconclusive. We know it was something to do with their heart. It may have been something congenital. I, I got angry at the cardiologist for a while because I'm like, if it was congenital, why didn't he catch it? Uh, why didn't he do the surgeries, the, the procedures he did better? But that's not beneficial. Yeah. So 
you have to set those things aside. And so I, I don't mean to, to dismiss the question, but why does it matter? I mean, it, it happens. And, and how do we move forward? Uh, I do happen to believe, and this is ironic, that everything that happens to us happens for the best, for our own higher good eventually. We don't understand it now. I don't understand how that works, but I, I actually believe it. And I only started believing that after Shana actually had passed. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is I have faith that one day I'll understand, you know, why yeah. this happened. Um, but in the meanwhile, you know, I, I've seen basically miracles happen for the last four and a half years. I mean, I just, I could write a book on just the stories of how I, I met people like you and Elizabeth Bassan and Mark Ireland and all the other people I've met and how this is, you know, I started, um, my wife and I own a business, but I started this new business uh, in April of this year and wrote the book and I'm doing the podcast. I wouldn't be doing any of this stuff if Shana hadn't transitioned when she did. Um, but I also look back and say, okay, why did I start studying death 15 years yeah. before Shana passed? Why yeah. did I spend all that time preparing so that when she did pass, I wasn't ready for her passing. I was just preparing for my own. But when she did, I never had that fear that she was gone. So, you know, why did that happen? Because the um, soul knows. Yeah. So, so Brian, we, have, Brian, we, have, we, have, we only have one minute, believe it or not, less than a minute. I want everybody to remember your website and your book title, Grief to Growth, with the number two, grief2growth.com. And that's the title of his book. With 30 seconds to go, what's the one thing you'd like every grieving person to know? I want every grieving person to know is that um, death is an illusion, that the person that you think died is still alive and well, and you can learn to connect with them, and you will absolutely see them again. That's the message, and more and more people are sharing that. It's, it's very real. It doesn't seem like an illusion when it's happening, but it's an experience that happens, but they are still with us. Thank you so much, Brian, for sharing. You've shared so many helpful tips, and I know that many people will listen to this in the archives as well. Thank all of you for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.